When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit Zenni.com today and change the way you buy glasses forever. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins in Law Group. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends and well-wishers. This is indeed a new edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast. And his family happens to own Hallmark greeting cards. Didn't know that, but apparently if you need a good greeting card, contact the Zawaskis. They know what's up. Jay, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. The Hawks are back in the win column after four straight losses. Uh, it's been a good day, so let's get right into it. Follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod, Instagram Madhouse underscore pod. Send us an email, MadhousePod at gmail.com. Check out our merchandise shop, MadhousePodMerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. And uh, everything Madhouse Podcast lives at MadhousePod.com. So the Hawks beat the Panthers 3-2, to two, had a 3 nothing lead, and then the Panthers, as they do, a really skilled, really good Hockey team comes back and almost ties it at the end. That last minute or so was harrowing. But Connor Murphy makes a head first dive, breaking up what could have been a great scoring chance by Patrick Hornquist. The Hawks win that last second faceoff, or they at least tie everybody up, and they walk away with the win on the back of Kevin Lankinen, who was outstanding. That said, I think, James, this may have been the best and most complete Blackhawks effort of the entire season. Let's uh, get the uh, Cholula hot take flame going for that one. Um, I don't even get it. You don't even have the soundboard ready for that? Come on, Jay. You don't think I have the soundboard ready for that? (laughs) It's always ready, my friend. I was just waiting for you to drop it. It was a relatively, uh, (laughs) I'm not going to say it was the hottest of takes, but I don't know. They've had some pretty good games this year. I will say that definitely the best we've seen the Blackhawks play in quite some time. I thought that the effort on both ends of the ice tonight was really good. I thought the offense was really well balanced. I thought we saw some really good performances kind of up and down the lineup. So definitely a cipher sore eyes after what was a really kind of bad road trip for the Blackhawks, one that they definitely, by the end of it, just kind of looked like they were ready to be home and done with all of it. Yeah. And uh, I just, I thought that there were, God, so many guys that we can focus on tonight that had really good outings. And I think that uh, Kevin Lankinen, obviously, is going to be a really good place to start. He had one of his uh, best outings of the season, made 33 saves, including one of the best saves I've seen a goaltender make all season long. And just good grief, he 
has been struggling lately. And we were really curious to see how he was going to kind of rebound from that and to kind of, you know, come back and show his mettle a little bit. He really did that tonight. Absolutely. And you sort of said there's been a couple things that we've seen lately that we didn't really know what to make of, right? Like, are they regressing? Are they falling apart? Or is it just the fact that they're playing Tampa and Florida over and over again, two of the best teams in the Discover Card Central Division? <laughs> so you should get a you should get a uh, cash register sound for that one. <laughs> You're right, I should. Um, but so it's it's nice to see them again. It is Florida again, but it's at home, and them come out and play the best game they they've played, I think, all year, whatever it is, in at least a long time. And I don't know if you saw the piece in the Athletic today. The Hawks they outlined like everything that happened in the Hawks practice leading up to this game. And it was sort of a back to basic sort of a thing. And I think that's what you saw the Hawks doing. They were much more organized. They were much more controlled. There weren't so many, I mean, there were a few, and there's always going to be a few scrambly moments in this defensive system that I still hate and will always hate, but I'm just sort of dealing with it now. Um, And with, you know, the defensive talent they had, there's going to be those moments, but overall a very organized, I will use the word calm, a calm Mm. game, an orderly game. And I think the Hawks needed that reset, and and I think Jeremy Cowan did well in having them sort of do a back-to-basics practice. Yeah, I think that you're probably right about that. I was just looking at some of the advanced metrics over at uh, Natural Stat Trick. By the way, if you do not have that website bookmarked, highly recommended. It'll give you a lot of really good insights into kind of the ins and outs of the game and all of, obviously, the advanced metrics that you can, you know, really kind of, you know, to bite your teeth into a little bit. The Blackhawks tonight did end up winning the Corsi battle, barely, mostly on the strength of a really good first period. Second period and third period, honestly, were fairly even. The the Panthers did kind of win a little bit, but that's to be expected that a team who's down three goals is going to end up winning the possession battle late because they're furiously trying to get back into the game. I thought the Blackhawks did a really nice job of not – really allowing the Panthers to secure the momentum of the game until the very end. I thought that the Panthers were going to kind of come out of the break into the second period, you know, full of vigor, really trying to kind of get after the Blackhawks. And the Blackhawks just kind of parried it aside, and they really uh, squelched that momentum well. Uh, they They had some great scoring chances in that second period. I was really impressed with, like you said, the calm demeanor was really apparent and really clear tonight the Blackhawks didn't really look scrambly through most of the game excuse me not a lot of high danger chances either for the Panthers at times throughout and I just thought the Blackhawks did a really nice job of kind of answering every challenge that they had to and I have to give like you said Jeremy Colleton and the players a lot of credit because they've been playing some I would say below average hockey lately they came out tonight and looked really solid definitely those are all great points and it's I liked the approach to like in the third period when the Hawks got that late power play, Pat and Eddie were talking about like, oh, they should just sort of play keep away. And, and then, you know, the game will be almost gone. I did not like that idea. And apparently Jeremy Cowton didn't either because they almost scored on a great look from Adam Boquist, who got the puck right in front of Soderberg and Soderberg just hit it so cleanly that he knocked it out of the net. Um, Man, I, I really want to highlight on Adam Boquist here because to me, with Doc out, Boquist's development this year, to me, is the biggest and most important story. And we've talked about it a lot. Since he's come back from COVID, he's been really, really solid. 
Uh, but I really like to see it's not just the offense. It's there were two moments in the third period alone where he broke up quality scoring chances and quality looks for the Panthers. I really like where his game's at, and I like the fact that late in the third, even though they could have just sat and iced and played keep away, they stayed aggressive. I I, I really do believe that if you sort of t- you know take the gas, take your foot off the gas a little bit. I don't care how much time is left. I don't care the situation. If you plan that not to lose mindset. That feels like it almost always backfires. So I'm I'm very pleased that the Hawks stayed aggressive on that power play and almost scored. They should have been rewarded. Uh, just a weird sort of 50-50 bounce didn't go their way. Uh, I like the, the aggressiveness. I like the confidence. And I like what I'm seeing from uh, young guys, especially Bokus lately. And we got to say, we haven't said his name yet somehow. <laughs> Brandon Hagel. Yeah. Was terrific again on the power play, by the way. Hmm. Yes, he was. How about that? put him on the power play good things happen look at that thing huh huh uh jay there were only three forwards tonight for the blackhawks who didn't have any power play time who were they uh oh boy camp incorrect oh, damn. okay and whistle and whistle had none mackenzie and because he played like any. two minutes tonight 603 yeah, for Ant whistle we'll get into yes. that six um let's see forwards no power play time i'll give you a hint one of oh, ryan one, carpenter ryan carpenter tonight and was not on the power play. Ryan Carpenter was one. And who's the third? And I don't. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I saw Suter out there. Pia Suter was not wow. on the power play tonight. And he scored a goal tonight. So maybe letting him focus on his even strength game was a good idea. He did have 38 seconds of short-handed time, though. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, you know, Jeremy's trying some new stuff. I don't. I don't mind that. Well, why wouldn't you after the stretch you just had? Of course. Yes. Everything's on the table right now. Try everything. And like we've said for the entirety of this podcast, power play success is not just about skill. You don't Mm. just put your best scorers out there and expect to win. That doesn't work. That's why guys like Brandon Hagel and like Andrew Shaw and, and it goes on and on have success in the power play because they're willing to do that dirty work necessary to make a power play successful. I love Hagel on the power play Uh, five shots on goal for Hagel in this game led the team. And there were several moments where he used his speed to blow past Panthers. Dude, if this guy can start scoring with any sort of consistency, look out. I don't, there's not a weakness in his game. The Uh, pass that the pass that he threw to Kubelik on that first goal was sexy saucer pass just beautiful saucer pass and then i also want to give kubli credit for eddie o called it a changeup, right like he kind of took a little off it delayed a second just sort of snuck at five hole that was a beautiful goal all around aside from not being able to put the puck behind the goalie i do not see a weakness in brandon hagel's game he's physical he's fast he can pass he has good hockey sense i love everything about the kid's game I guess putting the puck in the net is the last thing to come. I am so excited to see what he's going to turn into. Because if, even if he gets to, you know, 15 goals a year, yeah, that's a huge find for the Hawks, man. Had, that's huge. He had so many of those really good passes. I'm really curious why those hands are not translating to shots. Like, why do you think that is? Like, is that something that I'm reading too much into? What's kind of your uh, read or your take on that? I think he just does a good job of hitting the goalie right in the chest. <laughs> you know, yes, and, and it's favorite. It, it's look, you know, unless you're a sniper, right? Unless you're someone who's just 
specializes in scoring goals. It's it's not an easy thing to do. I'm trying to find his PDO. Here we go. So if you don't know, PDO is sort of the how do you define it, James? It just sort of measures puck luck. And if your number is like a thousand or a hundred, however you want to look at it, that's considered average. That's right? average. So his is 0. 0.986. That's pretty low. Yeah, that's a pretty low number. So anything like around uh, a hundred or a thousand, however you want to define it, is 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 what you should expect. Anything below that would be considered unlucky. Our our baseball fan friends will probably. Uh, uh, compare this stats to BABIP batting average on balls in play very good comparison yes uh so I'm trying to find a shooting percentage um but they don't keep real track of that very well yeah ever since SAP kind of took over the NHL's uh statistics on their website it's made it slightly harder to find some of that stuff there's other stuff they do really well but uh shooting percentage is one of those things oh here that we go I, uh, occasionally struggled to find so according to hockeyreference.com his shooting percentage is 6.7. That that's is That's like defenseman level. Yes. Well, that's a good question. Duncan so, Keith would like to borrow that. I wonder what Duncan Keith is. I, his can't be like he has to have the lowest shooting. Do you remember the year that ever. like he went like it was like 100 like what well, was it almost 200 shots without a goal? His shooting percent All right, I want to give you I'm mean, going let's play a game. Duncan Keith career shooting percentage over under 5%. Career I am going to go over. It is under 4.2%. Wow. See, I was going over because I was like, there's no way that the bad kind of puck luck he's had in recent years, there's no way that was what was going on early in his career. But looks like you can win Norris trophies uh, scoring below 5% of the time. Norris trophy year, 6.6% and 3.0%. Those were his Man, two I wish, Norris seasons. I, I wish that would have been 6.9% because then we could have said the word that everybody loves. Nice. 2015, 2016, 6.9%. There you go. One of his nicest seasons. Nice. Yeah. You know what else happened in the 2015-16 season? What? We started this show. Oh, yeah. Good timing by us. Yes, quite. We came in right after the Blackhawks won their third cup in six years, and what's happened since? Awesome. Good job, guys. Hey, by the way, you may have heard our open of the show is a little bit different, uh, and that's with good reason. We told you last show that Marishka's has taken their talents to the I'm Fat podcast, which me and Rick very much appreciate. They want to in March fatness. Yes, March fatness is underway. Go to the I'm Fat podcast Twitter page at I'm Fat Pod to vote. Um, so they're over there, and we have added a new sponsor, Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. He played four years of Division II college hockey and, in his own mind, is now the leader of his beer league hockey team. One of his teams is called the Lawyers, which is super uncreative, and the other is called Old and in the Way, and I relate very much to that. After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago. He specializes in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents involving cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, and buses, mopeds, Vespa scooters, skateboards, inline skates, but not roller skates, and all sort of other vehicles, construction accidents, nursing home abuse, medical negligence, and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, and injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for their clients. Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. Call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. 
Call Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group now. Welcome to the show, Kent Sinson and the Sinson Law Group. We're very happy to have them as part of things. Big hockey fans, big fans of the podcast. So welcome aboard. We are thrilled to have you here on the Madhouse Podcast. I'm extremely thrilled. That's uh, I love that ad read, by the way. Uh, all of the the team names, which need maybe admittedly a little bit of work. We can help. We can help with that. We can we can help with that. Yeah, uh, I did add the from Mopad on. I added all those uh, all those vehicles. Nice. Uh, yeah. So he stopped at buses, but I wanted to make sure that everything was covered. So yeah, Kent, welcome aboard. We're ha- very happy to have you. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out and getting involved on the Madhouse Podcast. These uh help us do these things more often. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. All right, before we take our first break, by the way, a little bit of a tease. We're going to give you guys the latest on the NHL draft lottery. They've agreed to change the rules for the draft lottery, so that's important. We'll get to that next segment. And also a piece of tape from the game, Pat Foley singing the praises of Jeremy Colleton, something I didn't think I would see. But before we take a break, James, the seventh Blackhawk to make their NHL debut played tonight. Mackenzie Entwistle played just over six minutes, but I would say in those six minutes had a bit of an impact. Two shots on goal, three hits, very visible. I want to see more Mackenzie Entwistle. I like what I saw. Yeah, honestly, not a hugely noticeable night for him. Obviously, like you said, it was kind of difficult for him to really stand out for the pack based on how little he played. I, I do have to burst your bubble a little bit, Jay. Mackenzie, whom I know you have been a huge proponent and booster of, had the lowest Corsi four on the Blackhawks tonight. Oh, he and barely played. He only played six and a half minutes. I just I want to tell you before you start throwing roses at his feet and all that, because God knows that's what you always do. What are you talking about? <laughs> that was that was a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> Sorry. Jay does not do that. Um, I, I will say he did have the lowest Corsi, but like you said, a couple shots on goal, not obviously a bad debut by any stretch. I'm interested to see whether or not this was a one-off thing or they're going to give him a little bit more time. I know you and I, before the season even started, we had speculated that Entwistle might break camp with the team and actually get a little bit of run. He just really hasn't gotten it yet. I've been a little bit surprised with how slowly they've kind of brought him along. Obviously, that could be indicative of that, where they view him in terms of the pecking order of the organization. But obviously, a, an okay game to start with. like to see a little bit more from him. And frankly, I would like to see him get at least another appearance. I would hate this to be kind of a one-off thing. Yeah, I've always been interested in him because of um, how good he's looked in like prospect camps and training camps, he's always stood out to me as I know this is like a cliche, but he looks the part, right? Like he, when he's on the ice with those guys, he hangs, he looks like he belongs. He looks like an NHL player. And Sam Bowman said this off season that Entwistle was part of their plans last year. He was about to be called up before the season shut down for COVID. So they've had their eye on bringing him up. I don't know what quite took so long this season, but I'm glad he's here, and I, I agree. I, I hope you're right. I hope this is not a one-off thing. And look, we've got the trade deadline coming up soon. And you're showcasing him clearly because some teams just itching at the, you know, they're itching to get him. No, I think what's his nickname, by the way? Is it Twisty? Twisty. Did, what, I, that did is, I see that right? That you did. That is a great hockey nickname. It's you know what? It's better than just throwing a Y at the end of something random. Yeah, or just calling him Mac. 
Caner or Whistle or yeah. Whistler or something like that. See, Whistle. Whistler actually would be kind of cool because there's obviously been, I'm sure, a lot of fictional characters by that name. I think the kind of guru in the Blade movies was named Whistler, if I remember right. Man, that is wow, updating it's been myself a long time. right now. That might be right. But no, I'm, what I'm saying there, though, is like they want to see who they can like who can play, right? Like right. who is NHL ready? And I think you've gotten that answer from uh, a lot of guys this year. And that's good. Like I think they've got a lot more NHL ready guys than they thought they might. Man, I'm watching that Lincoln and Save again too. Woo. Man, that's just so, it's insane. Yeah, they everybody's interviewing him right now. I know Pat and Edzo talked to him after the game, and now uh, Pat Boyle and uh, Jamal Mayers are talking to him in the post game show. That guy, like I said earlier, he had been kind of struggling lately. hadn't really been doing a lot of things well. He stood on his head a lot tonight, and that save that he made the sprawling Hashik S save. It gave me the hockey vapors, Jay Zawaski. Well, go take a shower, go cool off. And when you do wash your body with refreshing Dr. Squatch soap, it's the best. I love it. I have four bars and the shampoo and the conditioner and the toothpaste in my shower. As we speak, if you were here with me, you'd look over my shoulder and see, wow, that looks like a Squatch fi- f- shipping facility. Yep, it does. Cause I've got a ton of it and it's great. If you've never tried Dr. Squatch, now is the time. Go to DrSquatch.com. Peruse their items. It's not just soap, shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, deodorant. I love the deodorant. Man, the Bay Rum and the Birchwood Breeze deodorants are amazing. My wife tells me, you smell really good. That's not something I've heard very often in my life, uh, but it's changed since I got Dr. Squatch. So go to DrSquatch.com. Check out what they've got. When you're ready to check out, you'll save 20% if you use the promo code Madhouse 20. That also helps the podcast at the same time. They offer a subscription, which will save you some money. I highly recommend the subscription. It is great. You will get new soap every month and uh, you'll be ready to go smelling fresh and you won't have to worry about it ever again. And it's cheaper to do that. Make sure you use that promo code Madhouse 20. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We come back. We're going to play that piece of audio from Pat Foley talking about Jeremy Calton. We'll react to that a little bit. Then give you the latest on the changes in the NHL draft. I can talk in the (laughs) NHL draft lottery. You're listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back in, friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We're feeling free and easy after the Blackhawks beat the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night. Almost said the Carolina Panthers earlier today. That'd be fine. Clearly thinking about the NFL draft or something. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, we were talking about that, and now we are going to move into a couple of other uh, things we teased earlier in the show, including the venerable Pat Foley giving some props to Jeremy Colleton. Yeah, uh, I was very interested in this because when I first heard it, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what's about to happen? So let me play the first few words and see if you have the same reaction I do. There's the collaborative communicator, Jeremy Colladin. That sounded like an insult. (laughs) Is that a Karpetsov thing that's about to happen? (laughs) Didn't it sound like I'm like, oh, my God, what's he about to do? But that's not what it was. This audio, courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago, we thank them, we love them. Give this a listen, and we'll react on the other side. There's the collaborative communicator, Jeremy Colladin. So certainly one of his strengths is his willingness and ability to communicate. Talking with Patrick Kane about him, he said, I, I love being around him, 
every day because a he's very smart but he's such a good communicator he's always thinking and always got something to give to you so like before practice starts uh, starts guys will be milling around and Kaner will be skating around out there and Jeremy will come by and Kaner say what have you got for me today and he's always got something it might be a face-off play from last night it might be the way a four check went but he's always got something to give to any player that he's dealing with and he also wants to know what you think. So when I say collaborative communicator, that's what he's about. He wants to know your opinion. At the end of the day, he's going to make the decision, but he wants to know what you think. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Hmm, I say. By the way, we do – I can't believe we've gone this long into the show without mentioning it. Patrick Kane, now the fourth most points in NHL history among U.S.-born players. Yes, per, with his, per with his, Keith uh, Kachuk today. Tonight. Yeah. Who are the three in front of him, Jay Zawaski? Uh Phil Housley. Yep. Uh, did they have Brett Hull up there? This is a controversial topic. Uh, U.S. born. So yeah, U.S. No. born. So, no. Uh, he's Madonna. Mike Madonna is actually tops on the list. And Pat LaFontaine? No. I'm missing someone really obvious, aren't I? Jeremy Roenick. Oh, he hasn't passed Roenick yet. That's right. Jeremy Roenick had 1,216 career points. Kane's still 150 points behind him. I think I was looking at Hawks points a while you ago. Might be that, right. that could be why I'm thinking that, of course. So LaFontaine, no, Roenick, Housley, and Madano. Correct. He'll pass them all. I'm confident. So, well, I mean, yeah, but Madano's at 1,374. So Kane needs about 310 or so more points to do that. He'll do he it. He can probably do that in what, four, five seasons? Yeah, I would say if five. If he plays till he's about 37 or 38, he'll pass Madano, I think. He might slow down a little bit, but I, I think he's going to do it. Anyway, back to the audio. And again, thanks to NBC Sports Chicago for uh, the sound. Uh, I, I like that it's a bit of a change in tone from Foley. I think that. When he is not keen on someone, he's not great at hiding it. I think if you watch the first half of the season, you could hear his annoyance with Boquist. You started to hear it with Nikita Zadorov. Uh, there are guys that he likes and guys he doesn't like. Not necessarily Alexander Karpatsev level, where he just does a two-minute <laughs> rant when he's supposed to be in a commercial break. Well, but thankfully, I've already thrown that reference out, so now we both hit it. I like that this is a thing with him. Yeah, so the fact that he's saying that, that to me is meaningful. I, and, I, and I think that, you know, the terms he's using, collaborative, communicator, and I know where, as Bears fans, most of us, we get just sort of triggered when we hear collaboration now because it's such a Bears fallback. But that is generally a good thing. And, and when Stan Bowman talked about the things he likes about Jeremy Colleton, those are the first things he mentioned. So maybe what he lacks in terms of X's and O's and, and, and adjusting to modern defenses and all those those sort of things he makes up for in communicating with the players and letting them know what they need to do and I don't know how commonly known this is throughout the hockey world I know Chicago fans know this for the most part but Patrick Kane is a huge student of the game he's not just a guy who's super talented and goes out and plays and then leaves and doesn't think about hockey again he is a hockey geek he knows his numbers he knows everybody else's numbers so for him to be one of the first people to really like Jeremy Cowton, that's that's also significant. And we talked about it a little bit this year. Don't undervalue the fact that Brent Seabrook was not around for this season and to a lesser extent, Jonathan Taves, because 
those two guys were not, I can't speak about now, but they were not big on Jeremy Cowden. So without right. their huge influence in the locker room, Cowden kind of got to take control of things, and your leader in the room there is Patrick Kane. You got Duncan Keith, too, who seems to be a little bit on board this year, too. That that All those things make a difference, and when you hear Patrick uh, Pat Foley's tone start to change, I think that that is truly meaningful. I don't have necessarily direct knowledge of this, but it does seem like Patrick Kane was the first of kind of the core superstar guys to buy into Jeremy Colleton after Joel Quenville left. Do you think that's fair to say? I do have direct knowledge of that, and yes, it's true. He So that, to me, I think has been obviously, like you mentioned, just a really big key to their uh, kind of success this year and kind of gelling a little bit and finding their footing. I know for a while, even last season, they were still having a lot of trouble kind of grasping the Jeremy Colleton system. And we can go back and forth and argue whether or not the Jeremy Colleton school of thought on defensive adjustments or whatever is obviously a good thing or a bad thing. I think that on the offensive side of things, I think we are – we're seeing progress and we're seeing young guys come into this system and be successful. And I do think that is indicative of putting them in positions to succeed. And I think that a big part of the reason for that success has been Jeremy Collinson's ability to kind of articulate that vision and then have guys like Patrick Kane, who are kind of willing to do the work on the ice to make it into a reality to kind of, you know, capture the ideas that he has. If uh, Michael Jordan hadn't bought into what Tex winter was doing with the triangle offense, the bulls would never have been successful. And obviously, sure. I'm not going to yep. sit here and pretend that Jeremy Colleton is Tex Winter. That would probably be you know borderline blasphemy in Chicago. But the idea is, is that if you have a superstar athlete who's willing to buy into your system and to help you execute that vision and then can convince younger guys to also buy into it. I mean, look. Alex DeBrinkett has made a big step forward this season, even not looking at guys like Kurashev and Suter, who are also kind of making those advances. I think it's been huge that Patrick Kane bought in early to what Jeremy Colleton was doing. And I think that Colleton does deserve credit for reaching out to Kane and obviously clearly taking his feedback into consideration because I think that this team – it kind of shows that if you communicate with them and kind of institute a game plan that they can get behind, they can execute it, especially on the offensive side of things. So I do have to give Colleton credit, and I completely agree with you. It was remarkable to kind of hear uh, Foley kind of uh, throw that stuff out there. You know, some of the same stuff we've been hearing people in the organization saying to hear Foley say it on a broadcast was really interesting. Let me ask you this, and I know there's – you know, we've we've been critical of the system and some friends of ours have been really critical of the system. Um, but let me ask you this. All that aside, which Blackhawks have regressed under Jeremy Cowden? It's hmm. a good can, question. Can you look at a player and say that guy is worse because he plays for Jeremy Cowden? Because um, there's a lot of people that that think that this system is holding guys back. I like whom, for instance, like I'm trying to uh, the only thing I can really think of is that there's some guys who maybe aren't progressing in the way that we maybe want them to. I think that before he went on the COVID list, you probably could put Adam Boquist on that list. I'm also thinking of maybe Dylan Strom to a degree. Not obviously, I can't really say that he was making huge strides under Joel Quenville because obviously was he even here when Quenville was here. I God, that's so long ago already. Boy, I think. They overlapped a little bit, right? I would have thought they did. But any, the point is, is that he has not been progressing the last few years, at least from my estimation. But 
Uh, and then obviously uh, Alex Nylander too. Um, other than that, yeah, it's hard to really think of anybody who has actively regressed, at least offensively, defensively. Can't really think of any. Like I've I've seen some spinning wheels, but I don't know. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of in that middle ground. There are guys, but nobody who's just outwardly regressing. I can't say that Adam Boquist's start to the season was a regression. Like we say all the time, we say it ad nauseum. Development is not linear. That's not how it works, right? So there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And I got in a Twitter conversation with someone today, very civil Twitter conversation was kind of strange, um, about Adam Boquist. And you got to remind people, I know it feels like he's been around forever. He's 20. He can't drink a beer yet. Like, let's not pull the plug on, 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 I just said Kirby Doc because I saw the name on the screen. Let's not pull the plug on Adam Boquist's development just yet. He's been really good since the return. Yes, of course, there have been moments where you're like, whoa, that's not great. Don't do that again, please. And then he does it again. You're like, I just told you, please don't do that again. But the good is way, way, way outweighed the bad lately. And I think you've got to give Calton some credit for how the young guys on this team have come in and contributed. And now you're in a place where you're like, what are we going to do with all this young talent? Who thought that they'd be in this spot? You know, anyway. Before we get to the draft lottery thing, I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. James, I had for the first time in a year friends over for dinner in my house. We're all fully vaxxed. We got together and had Fry the Coop. And buddy, we could not have chosen a better place to have to celebrate our new our newfound vaccinated life. Fry the Coop is the best Nashville hot chicken you'll ever have. Hands down. They just opened up in Tinley Park. Right now, they're drive through only in Tinley. So just know that. All the other locations, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, you can place your order online and just go pick it up. It's hot. It's fresh. It's ready to go. I went to the Oaklawn location because I wanted to order ahead because it was a huge, huge order. And boy, I'm glad I did. I got the chicken tenders. My buddy Micah got the uh, the honey butter chicken sandwich, the donut chicken sandwich there, chicken and waffles. You can't go wrong. They've got every level of heat. If you want your face to melt off, they'll get they'll get it done for you. If you're not in the heat at all, they've got the country style. There's something for everybody at Fry the Coop, and I promise you, everybody will love it. We had kids from the ages of 5 to 11 all enjoying the food, and the adults were fat and happy from start to finish. So go to frythecoop.com, peruse their menu items, place your order, go pick it up. Come find your happiness at Fry the Coop mm. and FryTheCoop.com. All right, James, I think you have in front of you the three big changes to the NHL's draft lottery um, that the Board of Governors approved, uh, I think, today, right? Yeah, I believe it was either today or yesterday. Uh, I think the tweet from LeBron may have come out this morning. Yes, yeah, so it was. Yeah, so it was uh, 8.46 a.m. today when he tweeted that. So looks like it was done. Yep. Yeah. All right. So the NHL has decided that its big issue right now is that it needs to fix that darn draft lottery. You had the Detroit Red Wings last season who basically set records for mediocrity. They oh, were no, not, not mediocrity. With- Horseshittery. <laughs> they had one of the worst records in NHL history and still managed to, what, get the fourth pick in the draft? Yeah. 
It was ugly. It was not good. And the Red Wings were quite upset with it. And as we've all found out from them moving to the Eastern Conference because they badgered and whined to the NHL enough, when the Red Wings get mad, the Red Wings get even. And so the NHL has instituted several changes to the NHL draft lottery. The number of lottery draws will be reduced from three to two starting this season. So that means the last place team cannot draft any lower than number three overall. So last year, they had the three draws. The Red Wings ended up getting stuck with the fourth pick, much to their chagrin, I might add. So that will no longer be the case. If you're the worst team in the NHL, congratulations. You're getting a top three pick no matter what. Like that, good change. The second the second change actually goes into effect next year, not this year, which I find very interesting. These next two changes both go into effect in 2022. The maximum move up for the lottery winner is limited to only 10 spots. So only 11 teams can win the draft lottery and draft first overall instead of 16. So that means if you barely miss the playoffs, you have no chance at the number one pick in the draft. The most you can move up is 10 spots. That's less fun, but probably the right thing to do. The third and final change is no team can win the draft lottery more than twice in a five-year period. So sorry, Edmonton Oilers. You will not be able to win the lottery three years in a row ever again because the NHL doesn't want you to. So funny that the first comment on Pierre Lebrun's tweet of the rules is a guy with an Oilers avatar that says the league is rigged against us I think he's kidding I think yeah <laughs> but my god yeah screw you Oilers you still suck by the way after all they don't suck but I mean they should be way better than they are you've got two of the best players in hockey and not a mu- not much else yeah but you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and boy aren't you glad you do because you ain't got nothing aside from them well I like Ethan Bear you like him, but it's not like he's a guy you build your team around. No, 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 no. I like Darnell Nurse. You do? Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah, he's all right. I mean, but again. Do they have Mike Smith, too. You like him? No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> not at all. Thanks for asking. You know what he's else a- they have? Blackhawks they legend have? Dominic Cahoon. They sure do. They sure do have the Cahoon. The big kahuna, our guy. <laughs> so anyway, what do you, the, the last change, I think it seems kind of arbitrary and silly, but I guess the whole idea is that it disincentivizes you from trying to be awful for multiple years in a row. Like, is that, that, that kind of has to be it, right? Yeah, I don't, maybe And I'm here's wrong. my other question. I, yeah. If you win the draft lottery and you've already had the top overall pick twice in a row, do you just pick second or do you pick outside of the top three? That's a good question. That to me remains unclear. I'm trying to think of the, like, I guess the downside of this is it just guarantees a ton of parody, which isn't a bad thing, but if it's too much parody, it's like, okay, like there's no... Like this year is kind of a good example of that, right? Like there's no team that you're like, holy crap, they're so much better than everybody. Right? I, like, I yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, the Lightning and the Hurricanes are both excellent. The Toronto Maple Leafs are absolutely fantastic. The, there's but, several really good teams. Oh, for sure. But, 
But there is no, not a one and then like two A and two B. No, that's not how it goes. There's yeah, there's not a team where you're like, I'd be shocked if they don't win the cup. Right. And there's many you think you could be like, yeah, I could see them winning the cup. And maybe mm-hmm. that's a good thing. That might be a good thing, but I I don't know. I I str- I sort of struggle with is is like total parity a good thing or not? But we're gonna find out because I think this is definitely gonna lead to it. I still think you get rid of the draft, but that's me. That's my crazy theory. That's you know. Oh my god! I love it. Anytime that I really is a ex- hot take. By the way, <laughs> I know that was that was something. I I love playing that hot take drop, but that was I need a bigger explosion for those man. Woo! That was one something. of these days. I will explain my theory on this. That will never. I don't care how good your idea is and how legit it is, and it might be. I'm not writing it off. No shot. No shot. Will they do away with the draft? No, I completely way. agree. The league would not want to get rid of something that is so tailor-made for TV. Exactly. All right, buddy. Thank you for doing this. This was great. I know you had a busy day at work. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it, as always. Hawks play again on Thursday. Post-game, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the game goes. But, you know, we're never far away. Hit us up again. Email madhousepod at gmail.com. We should do a mailbag episode soon, James, because we've got a lot. we got a big backlog of email got a really mad email about david camp tonight from chad that i think i'll share in the next episode but but until then thanks for listening we'll be with you soon on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by fry the coop triple threat sports dr squatch and by the sins in law group I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.